On the way to church this morning, I typically come pretty early. And I do because God always has the final say, final edit. And on the way here, I pulled over at the rest area because the Holy Spirit was just so thick. So it's no surprise when you come together with the family and it's just as thick here because God has a way of setting the stage. God has a way of doing things that I can't even explain, things that I can't see coming. Need to transition, people. Making it tough for me here. Going to be speaking about God timing today. It's wild that I think Tim used that word, God timing. Didn't know what I'd be speaking about. Can start out with a story. But before that, a random observation is a pastor. Have you ever noticed that the people who dance most enthusiastically at weddings are often the people with absolutely no rhythm? (laughs) I've noticed that. So there's this story, Al. There was a woman... And one of her bucket list items was to take a trip to Europe with her bestie. So they got their passports prepared. And here's how it was supposed to look. From the Midwest, they would fly to London. From London, they would go to Paris. From Paris to Rome. And from Rome to Vienna. Sounds beautiful. So when she gets to London, she calls her husband, who is at home who coincidentally is playing Call of Duty with his friends and they have just dropped him in the squad and they need to land and get get set up for the battle. But she calls and he answers, as a good husband would, and she asks, how are you doing to the husband? He said, I'm doing just fine, but our cat Snuggles died. So his wife on the phone starts crying her eyes out. When she regains her composure somewhat, she says, you are an insensitive brute of a man. Why did I ever marry someone like you? You just have no concern about my feelings. And the husband responded, as I would say 90% of the men in here would, and he said, what was I supposed to have said? She said, well, it could have gone like this. When I got to London and called, as I just did, you could have said, Snuggles, our cat, is on the roof. When I arrived in Paris and called you, you could have said, Snuggles, our cat, fell off of the roof. When I got to Rome, you could have said, Snuggles isn't doing very well. And then when I got to Vienna and asked, you could have said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Snuggles has died. 
So the guy just in bewilderment, as we guys could be, is taking this all in. And then the wife asks, by the way, how is my mother? <laughs> to which he replies, she's on the roof. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like the timing of something was bad? <laughs> like that story after an awesome move of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been in a place? Well, I have been there myself. And in 1992, I was a student at Lee College at the time. It had not become a university yet. And I was on Christmas break. And I had this beauty here. That is a 1984 Honda Prelude. When I got it, it had 94,000 miles on it. By this time, it had like 140 on it. Uh, there were days that the horn would go off when you hit the brakes and maybe the driver's side door wouldn't open. But I was going to take the 610-mile drive back home with my friend. And so we were leaving right after classes, left at about 2 in the afternoon, would get home around midnight, ready to roll. About, oh, I'd say a little above Columbus, a light came on, light that I hadn't seen. So I called my dad, and I'm like, hey, dad. This light came on. looks like a battery. And he's like, that's the alternator. You know, I'm like a mechanic, so I'm like, yes. So he's like, well, the alternator charges the battery back up and da-da-da-da. And so pretty much what's going to happen is your car is going to stall. I'm like, when? He's like, I don't know. Just call me when it does. <laughs> Richfield Coliseum, have you ever been there? Well, it shut down about the time this happened, and that's the exit that I got off at. And it is like cows and just cows. And so that's where it stalled. And I remember calling my dad at that time and sitting in the car, new U2 album, me and my friend were sharing earbuds, sitting there freezing in the car and thinking this was bad timing to break down. 1982, I remember Garfield Park. My teacher, Rick Fusen. He would take us to the park for lunch. And he would say, be on the gold Church of God van at 1250. Okay. Well, that day at 1245, I was parched. I'm talking deer panteth for the water, parched, needed a drink. So I ran up to the bathrooms with my friends and came out of the bathroom to see the van going up the hill. Yeah, he left us. It was inconvenient timing, to say the least. Looking back at my life, the majority of God moments, the God appointments that have happened, have not happened in what I would consider perfect timing. Throughout the Bible, when you read things, the God timing of grace, of God's presence, of things that would happen, it wouldn't happen according to a man timeline, but to a God timeline. Oh, it may occur when you are leaving the garden clothed in animal skin. It may be when you are told to set out for a land that you've never seen. It may be when you're wandering in the wilderness, but God says, set up the tabernacle and begin to worship me right here. It may be when you are in a place, a troubled time, a time of chaos, and God says to speak my truth to them, whether they are going to listen or not, speak it boldly and speak it with love. Or it may come down to doing what God requires you to do in the moment. The original sermon that I had penned down, which I don't even know why I do this anymore. The original sermon that I had penned down was about Christmas. Right? 
Because we're supposed to be doing this Advent thing and we're, and we're supposed to be talking about this. It's hard, though, because you've got to listen to God. And so what I have to say to you today, when it comes to, to Christmas, to this time of year, to this time which can be commercialized, to this time that can be calendar-based, that our mission is the same. It has not changed. Our mission. You and I were called for mission. Imagine yourself in Mary's shoes, in Mary's teenage shoes, in Mary's betrothed but not yet married shoes living in a very conservative culture, and then out of nowhere, the Annunciation, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. But imagine at her age in that society. Imagine the fact that she was looking forward to this wedding. She had a plan, she had a timeline of the way that she thought things may play out. But part of her always knew that everything had been leading toward a Messiah. I say that to each one of us because every single step is leading toward Messiah. Everything from the beginning, everything that you can't put your finger on why it happened, it has been a step toward Messiah. Just like it was then, it is now. That echoed in that garden. It was prophesied so many times throughout the ages. And part of her had to always know that the Messiah's arrival would not be convenient according to her timeline. Throughout the world, there aren't many convenient God appointments. This is my wife's calendar. You aren't allowed to write on it unless it's official. I've learned this. Don't do tic-tac-toe on Dina's calendar. Imagine being Gideon, going from life in a cave, only coming out at night, seeing yourself as the weakest of the weak, to Judges 6.34, the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him and him blowing a trumpet to rally God's people to destiny. Imagine being a man named Saul and you're just out being a good son, chasing down your dad's donkeys, and your life changes forever. It says in 1 Samuel 10, 9, so it was when he had turned his back to go away from Samuel that God gave him another heart. God's timing is timing of fullness. God's timing is timing that he knows when things are ripening to the point when he is going to bring about what he seeks to bring about. I can't rush it. I cannot fret over it. I cannot sit and tell God how it should be. Imagine being David, his body near the end, laying on his bed, and some of the last words that he said, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. If God is no respecter of persons, that even that man that was after God's own heart, that there are God words that have to flow from the mouth that he gave you. 
There is a Holy Spirit who is moving that says, open that mouth and say what I need you to say. I guarantee it's not going to come at a time that you feel 10 feet tall. It's going to come at a time when it seems overwhelming, but he's saying, speak it anyway. The Holy Spirit knows the moment. I have to repeat that for someone because you feel like you've never seen a time when there's more chaos. The Holy Spirit knows this moment and he sees you. He is timeless. He is ever present. His indwelling and what he seeks to do, he seeks to almost be this metronome that I know to march to when there's noise everywhere else. That I can hear that beat that he produces. That God calendar I don't get to set the clock forward or backward on it. I cannot sit in regret and I cannot worry tomorrow into a God place, but I can trust God. Galatians 4 says this, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. That's me. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. But God, it's never felt more dark. How many of you have said that? How many of you made that statement? I have never seen a time when society has been more dark. Me? But you know what I'm saying that? I'm saying that according to my timeline. God's older than almost 50, and God sees things from a perspective that I cannot. The Holy Spirit, he has been ever-present. He has been preparing the way for you and I to have the confidence to call unto him as a beloved son or daughter. The Holy Spirit, he's always whispering. He's always whispering. And I love the fact that that still small voice cuts through the worst storm as easily as it does my idea of peace. By man's estimation, the timing can be bad on things. You ever thought that, oh, the timing's bad? I can go through my life acting like every God appointment is something that is an imposition. Have you ever done that? I have. Got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. There are so many things in ministry that you can do on paper and so many things you can do to organize that you miss real ministry. The Holy Spirit, he's been ever-present Here's the truth. God will never operate according to your timeline or my timeline. Never. You can spend your entire walk being angry that it doesn't line up. There are some people that are administrative. God has broken those chains for me. Sorry. But... There are people that are really administrative and there are people that they aren't. And sometimes when you're administrative, you need God to send you a memo. Like God's got to tell me what God's going to do because I got to know what God's going to do so I know how to respond. Man says the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. But my God says wherever you set your foot. And so instead of looking at all the things that are broken that didn't work out the way that you thought they should, understand that as long as there is breath, there is hope and there is life. And you need to begin walking into those things that you know in faith are going to happen. That's the promise part. You can't walk looking back because you're going to trip over something. Walk toward what he tells you. One of the greatest things you can open this Christmas is the truth 
that God's plan will never check with your Google calendar. I can't work mine anyway. For those of you who must know the plan before moving, I love what it says in the message in Acts 1-7. Jesus says, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. That should relieve me. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has a distinct personality and work. The mission has not changed. Your character and faith are waiting right now to grow. And what I love, just what we experienced this morning, whether you are wet behind the ears from just getting dunked in the baptistry or whether you have walked for God, walked with God for decades, God is waiting to blow your mind. God is waiting to say, oh, you think you, you think you know what I could do? Watch this. Watch this. As a body, we've been brought together. We need to be unified in the good things. Why do I say that? Because it can be easy as a body to unify in hatred against the things we disagree with. Have you ever found yourself longing to amen at unified discord more than you have hearing the chains fall off of people? You may say, no, no. I have. You're like, what? Who elected this guy? I'm saying human nature here. Have we come to a place that this time of year is more about barking about the holiday cups at secular companies that don't have the Great Commission written on the site? It's a secular company. Right? Like they aren't out to save souls. They're out to sell bad coffee. And they're successful. But we come together. And I think that it's time for us as people. Oh, here's another one. Oh, while I'm here, I might as well go. You know, it's, we need to stop looking a clerk in the face that's just obeying orders to say happy holidays and be like, it's Merry Christmas. <laughs> Has anyone ever asked you to pray the sinner's prayer with them after you yelled Merry Christmas in their face? Okay, backing up. We recently completed our study on the Holy Spirit in life groups. We can get comfortable with this idea of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. But here's the deal. He's never going to descend where there's not work to do. You think about that story. You see, when Jesus got baptized, then things started taking off in the way of ministry. And for you and I, don't get comfortable in this fact that the Holy Spirit's just there to descend on you, to make you feel like you're in a Disney movie and like things that you're at one with. No, it's the fact that there is work to do. There is work to do. And so if you feel him, however you do, I told you, Tommy, it starts on my left arm usually, and I get those, oh, I get those God goosebumps. When I feel that, it's time to be like, God, what are you trying to tell me? What's going on? Where he's present, he's working. And newsflash, he's everywhere. So here's a couple things. You know, God speaks to me in weird places. So my wife's been on me because we have a quota of like 13 Christmas trees or something at our house. It's like the set of elf. Um, so she said, you need to go to Hobby Lobby, everything's 50% off, and the tree in your office, you won't have anything for it. 
So one day when I had this small window of time, I, good Lord, I enter Hobby Lobby. Utter madness, utter madness. Everyone had this cup in one hand and a cart loosely in the other. They were going like 35 miles an hour on like Donkey Kong. Like I was just running. It was scary. So I get my garland. I make my way to the register. As I make my way to the register, I count. There are nine people in front of me. It's not because the cashiers aren't doing a good job. This place is just madness. I don't know how I picked it. So beep, 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 lady in front of me. So she's the next one. I get to buy my garland, Dottie. She must have had 47 items in her cart, and she handled each one like it was a preemie infant, putting it up there. (laughs) She's talking to the salesperson, reading the Christmas story in the original language, like all this, right? I can feel my pulse in my temples. I'm thinking, oh, am I dying? Is this an out-of-body experience? No. I felt like God was whispering to me, is my glory lessened if the eighth Christmas tree at your house doesn't have popcorn garland? Like, what's it about? Yeah, I don't receive that. But I felt like God was dialing in and saying, what's Christmas about? And not the Cindy Lou Who song, but the idea from him, like, Christmas is about Jesus. And this is cool. This is cool. I like 13 trees. But the lady behind me, I could hear her grumbling. You know when people, like, think out loud? And so I left the Hobby Lobby, got my composure, and I looked down. I have a quarter tank of gas, so I stopped by Huntington to get a mortgage on my house to buy 12 gallons of gas. And as I walk into the sheets, well, here's the thing. Like, I needed a coffee, and so I knew, because I timed this out, 37 seconds from door to get the coffee, and I can be at the register. Like, I've got this timed out, and God arrests me. So there's this lady, and she's got some foo-foo chino or whatever it is. Like, I don't even know. I could smell the sugar from it. I drink black coffee. So she, we're in line, fell in front of me. It was like, I don't know. He appeared to be doing an inquisition on the cigarette selection. It took forever. I could feel the pulse in my temples again. I'm there at the register. I'm about to pay for my coffee. God says, you see her. Know what it was, Tommy? It was that feeling. And I'm like, again, because I'm in this place, I'm thinking, is she going to think I'm a creeper? Or is it like, what am I supposed to do here? Right? And so the lady says, will there be anything else? And I said, yeah, her coffee. And as I committed to that, I felt like God just whispered, you're supposed to tell her that I see her. And I'm thinking, my Lord, like, (laughs) I'm thinking I'm going to get pepper sprayed. No, like for real, like I'm thinking I'm going to be, she's going to be like, oh, great pickup line, you know, God, (laughs) like, no. And I'm like, no. And so I commit to it, and God whispers this verse into my heart. 
And so I'm heading toward the door, trying to talk myself out of being obedient, and I feel a hand on my shoulder. I just like, I turn around. She said, that's the nicest thing anyone has done for me in so long. Why'd you do that? And I said, well, I'm supposed to tell you that God sees you. She just wells up. And I kind of do too, because, you know, like I'm a sympathy crier. I'll just cry. I, and, I'm, and, and I went and got gas in the Jeep. And as I went to leave, she was still just sitting in her car, just holding that. And it was weird because the verse that God put in my heart was this. It was Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed. He's anointed us. To preach good tidings to the poor, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, in the day of vengeance to our God to comfort all who mourn. Need a tissue. Here's what's wild. I didn't stop her and say, ma'am, I always tell people I work at a church. I don't tell them I'm a pastor. I just say I work at a church. I didn't say, ma'am, are you poor? Are you brokenhearted? Do you feel that you're captive to something? Are you mourning? I didn't do any of those things because God prompted me, but when he dropped that in my spirit, it's almost like he was saying, it's not about the good, it's about the God. It's not about the good, it's about the God. This isn't to make you feel better about yourself because Lord knows Sheets Coffee is all of like a buck 69. It was about me being in a place so she could see Jesus. And it wasn't up to me at that point to lead a revival in that place. What it was, it was about being obedient and listening to the Holy Spirit. Where he prompts and where he dwells, there is a call to action. Oh, a call to action. Right now, all of those things described in those verses are happening out there. And I'm going to let you in on something. A lot of them are happening in here too. There are people sitting here that have been looking through the bars of their belief for so long. The devil holds their past over them like a piano that moving guys are trying to get to a second story window. And when God prompts you, whether it is outside of this house or inside of this house, listen. When God calls you to be kind, to do something, again, it's not so you can be charitable this time of year. It's because his spirit is moving and there is a work to do. In closing, I can say this. Angel Gabriel may not visit you after church. Jerry, you may not 
spontaneously blow a trumpet to rally God's warriors this afternoon? You might. I don't know. But if you look around and you listen, then you're going to understand that that same Holy Spirit who hovered above the waters in the second verse of the entire Bible The one who was there between the pillars with Samson when the enemy thought they had won. The one that was there in the pasture with that shepherd boy. Who was there before that giant with that shepherd boy. Who was there on that throne with that shepherd boy. Is the same one that's whispering to you. Your mission hasn't changed. If I can challenge you with this, it would be to let your words and your actions, your actions cry out in a way that they never have this Christmas season. You are called, you are anointed, and you can hear his timing clearly. Do not let the devil tell you otherwise. If you will stand. We're going to pray, and what I'm going to ask is this. There is no shortage of opportunity. And you don't need to stress yourself out like, God, did I miss it? Did I miss it? Was that an opportunity? Be obedient when you know you need to be obedient. When he stirs you, do it. Go all in. We're going to pray, and then the worship team will take it from there. Father, right now, I thank you for all that you are. I thank you the way that you personalize your whisper. The way that your calling is a calling I can't fulfill theirs, they can't fulfill mine, but together, God, we can go places that we have never gone before in you. Father, in these next couple of weeks, don't let it be about anything but you. And Lord, I pray that the captives, that the mourning, that the lost, that the hurt, that they would all find grace through the eyes of this family, through the actions of this family. I claim it in Jesus' name. Amen.